the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you have found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants God requires to help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church, located in Los Angeles, California. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. There's an old, old joke that many of you have heard about when, it's a quiz, when is baseball first ever mentioned in the Bible? And the answer is in Genesis 1-1 that says, in the big inning, God created the heavens and the earth. So baseball is in the Bible, just so you know. Today, this simple illustration and point number one or base number one, first base, is conversion to Jesus Christ. That's first base. Salvation is the initial step. A baseball player or a baseball runner, he cannot go to second base. He cannot go to third base. He cannot score until he first reaches first base. So from one angle, first base is the most important base. A runner will never score until he gets on that base. Now here's the question. How do you get to first base? Well, there's a couple of things I want you to note in your notes. Number one, I want you to note that we are all sinners here today. You have to understand that. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short. Therefore, write this down. We are all in need of a Savior. And the only person who can save us from our sins is the one who never sinned. And there's only been one person who's ever lived that never sinned. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our Savior. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's salvation. The Bible says in Hebrews 5, verses 7, 8, and 9, during the days of Jesus' life on this earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. Jesus was a crier. And he prayed to the one who could save him from death. That would be his heavenly father. And Jesus was heard because of his reverent submission. Verse 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And verse 9 reads, and once made perfect, and I believe that when Jesus was willing to suffer, that was his reverent submission to his heavenly Father, and that on the cross when he died, that suffering in perfection 
became the salvation of the world because verse 9 says, and once made perfect, he, Jesus, became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And so the question is, how do you obey Jesus? Well, in your notes, I have these four words, and I don't have time to dig deep, but I left you the Bible verses and the references so you can go in and study on your own. In order to be saved, in order to obey Jesus, you have to start off by believing. You have to believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You've got to believe that He was born of a virgin, that He lived a sinless life, and that when He died on that cross as the Son of God, that His death was the atonement for your sins. You have to believe that He died in your place, that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then you have to repent. You have to turn to Him. You have to turn your life, turn away from self, turn away from the things of this world, and turn your life over to God. And the Bible also says you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Not just that He's your Savior, but He wants to be your King, your Lord, your ruler, your boss. So you have to believe, you have to repent, you have to confess that He's Lord. And the Bible also says that every believer needs to be baptized. Now, it's kind of confusing. It looks like, well, are there four steps? Are there five steps? How many steps are there to salvation? There's only one step. I want you to write this down. And that is to surrender your life to Jesus completely. Yes, you have to hear the words. You need to believe. You've got to believe that He's the Son of God. You've got to turn your life over to Him. You've got to confess Him as your Lord and be baptized into His name. But all of that is under the umbrella of just one step, and that is you surrendering your life and committing by faith and obedience to the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is first base. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now we go to second base. Write this down. Second base is the church. When you obey Jesus and you become his son or his daughter, you automatically become a part of the church. Now, here is the problem. We have way too many people who get on first base. They skip across the pitcher's mound to third base, and they're going to sneak home one day, and they leave out the church of Jesus Christ altogether. You say, well, I don't like the church. Well, you're in it anyway. That's what the church is. It's a group of people who have believed, who have repented, who have confessed, who have been baptized, who have named the name of Jesus and surrendered to Jesus Christ. And once you do that, that puts you in the church. Now, the church, write this down in the Greek language. It's a word, ekklesia. As you're reading the Bible and you see the word church in the Greek, it's the word ekklesia, and it means the called out assembly. That's what the word is. It's the assembly of believers in Corinth, the assembly of believers in Ephesus, the assembly of believers in Philippi. Now, you might meet up on a mountaintop. You might meet in a cave. You might meet on a street corner. You might meet in a beautiful building, but there must be an assembly of believers. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, let us not give up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing. 
You know, it's easy to get out of the habit of going to church. And I want you to take an honest inventory, an honest inventory. How often do you go to church? The average churchgoer in America attends church 1.6 times a month. They go between one or two times a month. And honestly, you ought to be here every time the church doors are open. A man who loves baseball will gravitate towards the baseball diamond. The man who loves football will gravitate towards the football game. The man who loves tennis will gravitate towards the tennis court. The man who loves to swim will gravitate towards the swimming pool. And the man who loves Jesus Christ in his heart will gravitate towards the church of Jesus Christ. I know the church isn't perfect. I know, I know we have problems here. How many of you know the church is full of hypocrites? Yeah, just point to the person next to you. Just point to them. Get that out of your system. But we, with all of our problems, we are still the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And one day, I keep telling you this, one day the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. And guess who he's coming back for? He's coming back for his bride. And he's going to take us, the church. And he's going to take us and we're going to live with him forever and ever. Max Boothby was a youth pastor here at this church. And he was the one, he said this, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, he was speaking one day, and he said, he said, if you don't like going to church, you're probably not going to like going to heaven. I want you to think about that. If you don't love being in a place where we come to worship Jesus and to give him of ourselves and to worship him and to praise him, to study, to lift up Jesus, where there's people of every nationality in this room, a multi-racial, multi-ethnic situation where we come together just to sing and to praise and to give thanks, let me tell you, you are probably not going to like heaven because when we get there, there'll be people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation under the sun who will be gathered to simply worship a living God. Third base is serving first base is salvation second base is the church third base is where you serve we have way too many christians who get saved and they get on second base they come to church and i don't know how to say this to you but they get into a rocking chair and they come to church and they just sit and rock Oh, they might sing a song or two. They might endure a sermon or two. But they never lift a finger around the church, volunteering their time, their talent, their service. I want you to write this down. We are saved to serve. We have been called to serve. And we have been gifted to serve. I want to read this to you, Romans chapter 12, verse 6, 7, and 8. It says, we, everybody say we. We have different gifts according to the grace that's given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. 
If his gift is serving, let him serve. If his gift is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him do so generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. The Lord has gifted every one of you to serve in some way, some form. Write these two questions down. Question number one, what gifts or talents do you have? You should always be asking yourself that question. And the second question is, how are you using that gift? No wonder why the world is lost and cold and indifferent from the things of God. We're not going to win this world. I will tell you this right now. We're not going to win the world to Jesus with our frozen doxologies and our half-hearted service. You recall when Jesus arose from the grave, he, he was cooking breakfast for his disciples. And, and after the meal was concluded, he turned to Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, well, Lord, of course I love you. Then Jesus said, well, why don't you feed my lambs? And just a few minutes go by and Jesus turns to Peter a second time. He said, Peter, I want to ask you, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, what are you talking about? You just asked me like a few seconds ago if I love you. Of course I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And just a few minutes later for the third time, Jesus turns back to Peter again. He says, Peter, for the third time, do you really love me? And Peter said, well, Lord, you keep asking me over and over if I love you. And I keep telling you over and over, of course I love you. And then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. What's Jesus? Why does he keep asking this question? Because Jesus says, if you love me, if we say I love you, he wants us to get involved in feeding sheep and taking care of people. And all God's people said, what a difference our world would be. How greater of an impact would this church have in this city that we say we love if we would all get involved and all serve in some form or fashion? And all God's people said, home plate, home base, write this down. You should have figured this one out is heaven. First base is, is, is salvation, conversion to Jesus Christ. Second base is the church. Third base is serving, Christian service. And fourth base is heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I believe that God has placed in the heart of every man and every woman in this room, there's a longing somewhere in your heart. You maybe have not even been able to, been able to describe it, but I think each of us, that God places almost like a homing instinct uh, that a pigeon would have. He's placed something within our hearts for a longing to go to a place like heaven. When a social worker goes into a slum area and he's sickened by what he or she sees and clenches his fist and says that these horrible places should not exist, that human beings should not have to live like this, what that social worker is saying, whether he realizes it or not, he is subconsciously projecting an inner hunger for a world that is minus poverty. And what he's truly longing for is a place called heaven, He's hungering for heaven. Every time a politician or a statesman tries to devise a solution to war, whether they realize it or not, they are projecting an inner feeling, an inner hunger for a world that is minus bloodshed and death. And when a doctor or a scientist goes into their laboratory and seeks to find a cure for cancer, whether they realize it or not, they are searching for a world that is minus sickness 
and pain. And whenever there's a person that is suffering, going through some type of personal heartache, and they ask the question that has been asked more than any other question since the beginning of time, the question of why. Why me? Why am I suffering? Why now? Why this? And the person who asks that question, whether they are doing it subconsciously or even consciously, they are truly longing for a place where there is no sorrow, where there is no heartache. They are longing for a place called heaven. And there are three things that, as I close, about heaven that excite me. The first thing about heaven that excites me is what's not there. No receding hairlines. No wrinkles. No reading glasses. No bulging waistlines. There'll be no earthquakes. No hurricanes, no floods, no mudslides. And there'll be no hatred. There'll be no bitterness. No prejudice. No racism. There'll be no abuse. There'll be no drive-by shootings. There'll be no ambulances. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no sickness. There's no disease. There's no hospitals in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no crying. There's no heartache. There's no suicide in heaven. There's no crime. There's no divorce, no fighting, no war, no death, no mortuaries, no funeral homes. There's no violence. There's no farewells in heaven. Oh, it's going to be a great place. Not for what just is not there, but what is there. Secondly, the Bible tells us in Revelation 21, I left the text so you can read it, the Bible says that the streets are paved with gold, that the gates are made of pearls, the walls are made of jasper that's clear as crystal. There are 12 gates with 12 angels at those gates. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 21 that the entire city is made of pure gold. And that the foundation of the walls are made with every imaginable precious stone. And that the brightness of God gives its, its light. So heaven will be a great place because of what's not there. It will be a great place because of what is there. But most importantly, heaven's going to be a great place because who's there? When I go home to see my parents, I don't walk over to the drapes and go, well, look at these drapes. These are the nicest drapes I believe I have ever seen. And I don't look at the carpet and go, Mom, Dad, this is the greatest carpet I believe. I mean, I don't think it's been washed for 10 years, but it's, I mean, this is some good carpets you got here. I don't go over the Civil War drawer, you know, where the spoons and the knives and the fork, and pull the knives and the fork. Boy, I love these spoons and these forks. <laughs> where did you get this silverware? I go over to my mom, give her a hug, I give her a kiss. I go over to my dad, I give him a hug, I give him a kiss. You said, heaven's going to be great, not because of what's not there, not because what is there, but because Jesus is there. That's why heaven's going to be a great place. 
The year was 1924, almost 100 years ago, the World Series between New York and Washington. It came down to the seventh and final game. New York had won three games. Washington had won three games. The seventh and final game was being held in Washington. Every game had only been decided by one run. It was a pitcher's duel, game after game after game. They came down to the seventh game. It's now the ninth inning. The game is tied. New York comes to bat at the top of the ninth. Three batters up, three outs. Washington comes up to bat in the bottom of the ninth of the seventh game of the World Series, 1924. First two batters make outs. The third batter was a man named Goslin, who comes to the plate. He takes two balls and two strikes. So now it's a 2-2 count. Bottom of the ninth, game tied, seventh game of the World Series, New York and Washington, the pitcher throws the ball, Goslin turns on a pitch, hits a line drive shot to left center field. He turns and runs down to first base, heads into second, he watches as the ball hits about six inches beneath clearing the wall, it hits the wall and bounces into the field to play. He turns second as the outfielder picks up the ball and throws it into the shortstop. Ronnie Goslin turns around second. He comes over here to third base. And the third base coach, who was watching everything unfold, realized that this might be their only chance to score a run. And he waves Ronnie Goslin home. Ronnie Goslin was going into third base. He was going to hold up. He sees his coach doing this. He picks up speed. He turns around third base. He's headed for home. The outfielder takes the ball, takes, throws an arrow to the shortstop who relays the ball, turns and throws a strike to the catcher. And there's a play at the plate. And it looked like to everyone who was watching that Goslin's foot slid across the plate safely. The catcher grabs the ball, goes down for the tag. It looked like he was late with the tag. And the umpire stands up and says, you're out even though he looked like he was safe. The place goes crazy. He gets everyone back in the dugout. He meets with the other umpires. He goes to the back of the the back, the back screen. He picks up a microphone and here's what he says. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, the runner at home is out because he failed to touch first base. He failed to touch first base. And I want you to know at the end of your life, however much more time you have on this earth, the only thing that will matter in your life is not how much money you have, not how famous you are, not how many followers you have on Instagram or Facebook, how many games you've won. The only thing that will matter is have you touched all the bases, starting with first base. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. 
That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, he would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing his people to take possession of the promised land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.